Marketing has become complex, so business owners either put it at the bottom of their to-do list or they don't do it at all. But how can a business expect to grow without marketing? Yet if you think about it, marketing in its simplest form is storytelling, and selling in its simplest form is telling that story to others. So if you feel like you have been committing random acts of marketing, or you don't know what your story is, this is the podcast for you. Your host, Lisa Rabel, the founder, speaker, author, and chief storyteller at Rebel Real Marketing. Let the rebellion begin. Welcome back to the Rebel Girls Guide to Marketing podcast. I am your host, Lisa Rabel, founder, speaker, author, and chief storyteller of Rebel Girl Marketing. Okay, I'm going to be giggling a lot because I have such a goofball across the table from me today. So today marks the milestone in this podcast. We have our first victim. I mean, our first guest for the podcast. (laughs) My friend and fellow marketing geek, Andrea Hubbard, public relations strategist and copywriter for her own organization called Hub & Company. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Woohoo! Thank you. Thank you for being my inaugural guest. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this crazy world of marketing. Oh my gosh, I think it's going to be more of a giggle fest than it's going to be anything else. Okay. So it started when I was a wee young lady. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, seriously. Over 20 years ago, I got the bug. I was doing a PR internship and I was crushing it and I was like, this is what I want to do since I love to talk, I love to share what's going on with people and I fell into PR Uh, and I've done it my whole career. I've done it for nonprofits, I've done it for arts and culture, I've done it for uh, small businesses, large businesses, the whole gamut and it never ceases to amaze me how much people are doing in the world that other people need to know about. And that's what I do every single day. I get to tell people what other people are doing. That's fantastic. Yeah, without censorship or like false news and things like that that we get. It's the truth. It's uh, how people are amazing. Well, it's the truth according to me. (laughs) 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 Oh, good Lord, help me. Okay, so last week we started Chapter 1 of the Rebel Girls Guide to Marketing book. And we're going over chapter one all through the month of March. This week, we are having a guest. And the second week of every month, based on what the chapter is, we're going to have a different guest. So the fact that chapter one is about understanding the basics of marketing, we're going to get into some details about it with Andrea. But again, last week, we talked about the definitions. Like, what the hell is marketing in the first place? So we talked about the difference between branding, the difference between marketing, the difference between what branding is and what a brand is, all kinds of definitions. So what are we doing this week? Andrea is answering one of the most common questions asked in business owners is, where do I start when it comes to my marketing? I mean, this is great stuff. So unless you're driving or walking the dog or using heavy equipment, while you're listening to this episode, I highly suggest you pause it and grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to take some notes. So whether you're just starting out or you've been in business for a while, it's never a bad idea to pause, take a step back, and as I always say, take a deep breath, 
and make sure your marketing is headed in the right direction. So let's get started. Okay, let's start with one of the words we spent a lot of time defining last week, and that is the word content. And most of us have heard the saying that content is king. Andrea, do you agree with that saying? No, I don't agree with that saying. I think that the way we use content is king. I think if we create content that is designed specifically to resonate with our audience, with our unique personality perspective, with um, their intent in mind, then it is king and it can be very powerful. But to create content just to create content, no, I don't believe in that. I love that answer. Because <laughs> it's because it's true. Yeah. People think that, uh, you know, one of the things I say in the introduction of the book is people think that just because you spend more money in marketing, you're going to get more clients. Right. No. And you don't. You no. have to have the right message to the right people at the right time. And that's a combination of art and science and a little bit of witchcraft. But <laughs> if you think about it. Well, marketing is very analytical. And I think that people either don't know that or forget that. Right. There's a lot of analysis in marketing. And that's kind of why I don't really do it. <laughs> that's why I'm more of a communicator, because I can just take that information and figure out how to package it and distribute it. Because I don't need to know how, you know, I don't need to know all the things that you need to know in order to market. Like you're a very good marketer because you have a great understanding of not only the foundations, but how the foundations can be applied in different scenarios, which is great. I have an understanding of marketing and I market, but I really more am a communicator. I can take what you're trying to do and help you figure out how to share that with your with the audience, whether it be media, whether it be prospects, your existing clients, net people you're networking with, all of those things. And there's a difference. Yes, there's absolutely a difference. So if any of you feel a little overwhelmed right now, remember just keep breathing and we'll we'll dive <laughs> we will dive into the specifics. Uh, to sum up of what we're talking about is content is extremely important because content needs to re relate specifically to the audience you're talking to. But content given to the wrong people or maybe even at the wrong place in the wrong time mm -hmm. is pointless. Mm -hmm. So it's a three, it's like a three, what is that? Three legs on a chair, right? Or three mm -hmm. pillars mm -hmm. to hold up a building. It's the content is one, audience is another, mm -hmm. and place and time is a totally different one. So we're going to talk mostly about content today and adding in those other two, those two pillars. So, um, all right. Public relations. People, I think, don't understand exactly what public relations is because it's been tossed around way too many times in way too many ways. Mm -hmm. And public relations is so vital to your marketing strategy. How would you describe to the everyday business owner what public relations is? Sure. So public relations, in its in in the broadest sense, is connecting with an audience. Right. It is sharing a message with a specific audience. That could be through media, which is then typically publicity, which a lot of people know about, right? The Forbes articles and the, you know, whatever pu publications that you get in, the interviews that you have, the TV sh uh, news that you're on, et cetera. That's publicity, which is a part of public relations. People sometimes falsely consider a press release public relations, 
press releases are a tool that people use in order to share their message. Um, but also community relations falls under public relations. Uh, influencer marketing, when you're doing it not as part of a paid engagement, because then that's advertising. But if you're purely, you know, reaching out and having people be ambassadors for your product and you're not paying them, right? There's there's a different type of exchange. That's a form of public relations. Mm -hmm. So anytime, if you think about it in this way, anytime it's something that happens that lends third party credibility to what you're doing, unbiased, not related to you or your business, that's probably a form of public relations. Interesting. So it's all about... They're not getting paid to say it. They're not being told to say it. They're just doing it because they like and love and trust you mm -hmm. into whatever it is, whether it's a service or if it's a product, yeah. whatever Here, the case might be. Here's an example. So if you're working with the media, right, and there's a publication, if you wrote the article or you have any sort of say in how the article gets published, that's that's a that's probably an advertorial even though you might not pay for it so it's not an ad it's an editorial piece with an with an ad bent to it because you're controlling the message and the timing and the distribution if it's something where the publication interviews you or you wrote a press release and they went off of that then and you have no control of when it's going to be published you have no control of what's going to be said you have there's you don't even know if it is going to be published all of those factors then that's a form of public relations that's earned media you earned that placement you didn't pay for it you didn't buy it interesting so i had a client who um i had a client who i wrote a press release for and we pushed it out all over the country and what happened was they had it's not new technology now, but when I did it back in 2018, it was. It was using drones mm. to actually do surveys on buildings cool. using infrared cameras. And people are doing it a lot more now, but they didn't do it back then. So it was it was news. I mean, it got picked up 248 times in like 48 hours across the country and even like Alaska and Hawaii and all kinds of stuff because it was interesting. But the articles that came out on it, like the press release that I wrote, pieces of it were in there, mm -hmm. but they added a lot of their own mm -hmm. content in there. And obviously I had quotes from the president um, in there about like why it's important to have this kind of technology in their industry. But I couldn't control who picked it up. I no. couldn't control what part of it they took out of it, mm -hmm. how much they kept, any of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So, And that's the beauty. So... That it's great that the press release worked for you, and that's the beauty of a press release. It's a way to share information that's going to impact a broad audience. It's going to resonate with a broad audience. Either it's timely, in your case, which yeah. was the the launch of the product, or it's evergreen, and a, and a, uh, a journalist can pick it up at any time. So those be, are the real. Let's do evergreen because you and I know what evergreen is. Well, let's tell the audience what evergreen, evergreen is. Evergreen is that. Um, Let's say we distribute it now and somebody doesn't pick it up, a, a media outlet doesn't pick it up for three, six, nine months, but it's still applicable for them to write about. Okay. That's evergreen. Yep. So those are great uses for press releases, but press release, press release is a tool, right? Yes. It's a tool just like any other tool in the toolkit. And what I want to make sure is that people don't get stuck on I need a press release. How do I write a press release? Press release, press release. Because right. honestly, a direct pitch is going to be much more effective, especially now 
than a press release because a press release is really just the the carrier of the details. Mm -hmm. The pitch that you make, whether it's email or telephone, is the why. It's the importance. It's the what's going to help the publication's audience get something out of it. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I, it's hard for me to trust what's in the written word these mm-hmm. days, whether it's online or even in newspapers or even on the newscasts, because not that it's not truth, but how much of it is truth and what are they leaving out? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, what is, it's that sensationalism. It's like, what's, what's the drama? How can mm-hmm. I get people to watch? Like people are so addicted to the drama that they, sometimes the truth gets left out or the positive aspects get left out. But that's probably a different episode mm-hmm. as well as I rant about those. Anyway, um, so in your opinion, who needs public, not a press release? Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear to the audience that a press release is not what we're talking about. We're talking specifically about public relations, the things that tell other people what you're doing and what you're up to, not you selling. Okay, so mm-hmm. public relations, who needs public relations? So <clears throat> anybody who has anything newsworthy to share. Now, newsworthy, of course, is a bit subjective, but there are some markers, right? So if you have a milestone in your business, either you're celebrating an important anniversary or a partnership or a dissolution of a partnership, if it was important <clears throat> to the business you know, prior to the dissolution, um, if you have mass hirings, especially like after a time of a recession or a or COVID or something like that, um, if you have an event that is it's going to be impactful to a lot of people, whether it be locally or nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you won an award, and again, there's some impact. There. If you wrote a book, if you wrote a book, <laughs> wrote a book, who wrote a book recently? You know, um, anything, <laughs> anything where a large group of people will have an interest in it, then it's probably newsworthy. And you, you could use some PR, some PR public relations assistant. Yeah, it's so funny because... <clears throat> On the antithesis of that is I had a client who insisted I write a press release because they hired a very specific kind of specialist in their company, and I tried to talk them out of it. I'm like, I don't think this is going to be newsworthy. It's going to cost you this much money. It's going to cost me this much time. So, like, this is what's happening. He's like, no, it's really, really important. I really wanted to get out there. I'm like, okay. So I wrote it, and um, I work with a, a, a I work with somebody who has a – uh, uh, access to the the one, newswire the, the newswire and all mm-hmm. that stuff and he sent it out and it got picked up like I don't know six maybe seven places mm-hmm. and what's funny is that you know the the president of the company goes like why why didn't this get picked up how come we didn't get better on this I go and I literally said these words to him I go because nobody cares yeah nobody and- nobody cares that you hired this person I mean it's very important to us and to our clients but press release wise it's it's not newsworthy. No, and that see that's a great example of where a pitch probably would have been more um, impactful, right? So, local uh, business press, right? Yeah. Like the a business journal if you're in a big enough market, or the local business section of the pa- local paper, or the if it's um, newscast worthy, like the morning show, if it has some sort of impact to a broader audience. Starting local is something that people just often overlook but I'm telling you that is the best place to get coverage of something that 
number one is local, right? Like hiring, if, if this company, I don't know the company, but if it, if it has a large footprint within a local space, then a local press would be great for that. You can then use those to get more, um, pro- more coverage, right? So coverage begets coverage. Mm-hmm. So if you start local and you work your way into a regional, if necessary, or you work your way up to national, it's only going to help validate what you're saying. It's going to add validity, but it's also adding credibility because nobody on Good Morning America wants to hire you if they don't know that you can, you know, not be during the headlines on <laughs> headlights on the TV and not, you know, right. speak about your product or service in a quick way. Like you, you have to prove to yourself, or excuse me, you have to prove to the producers and the booking agents that you deserve to be on those platforms yeah and there's sometimes there's three like two three minutes like they don't yeah. even get like five minutes sometimes to pitch like an entire exactly. product line of stuff it's crazy the only caveat to that is if you can be um a local angle on a national story right like if you have the credibility to speak nationally about something then you know you, you probably could get on good morning america but you have to earn that too yeah. okay so before we get too far into the weeds, because she and I could talk, Andrew and I could talk about this kind of stuff for hours, like literally we have. Mm-hmm. And so she has a, it's a five-step process, and we're going to go over the first three before we take a break. So I, I love how she words this. So if, this is where you need the pen and paper. If, again, if you're driving, just, you know, listen to it later and write it down later. But um, what I want you to do is, Really, really listen to these three steps because all the stuff we just talked about, this is how you do it. She's giving you the answers to the test here about public relations, so pay attention. So I love what you how you call the first step. It's called create a media wish list. Mm-hmm. That's just genius. Mm-hmm. What do you talk about that? Yeah, so I started off calling it a hit list, and then I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Let's do wish list. <laughs> Um, and what I mean by that is, where do you want to be seen? And before we before we go any further, maybe I should take a step back and say that the media doesn't care about us. They don't care about me. They don't care about you. They don't care about anything except what we offer that can help their audience. Ah. So if we are pitching media and we're not offering something that their audience needs, it's never going to be successful. So that's the first thing to always remember is the media doesn't need us. They don't need to talk about our products and services, but they do want to share information that's going to be helpful to their audience. So since the media, you know, they don't care about us, they care about what we can do for their audience. That's why we want to create this wish list because we want to think about who, how can we be in alignment? What, what publications, and I use publications generically, but it's radio, TV, print, all of them. I just say publications what publications do has the what publication has the audience that we're trying to attract that we can offer something of value to so write that down and it could be 30 it could be 50 it could be 100 because we want to go niche we want to go local we want to go national etc then we start then we rank them because we can't pitch them all at the same time so we rank them and then we just attack see that's where i get the hit this from <laughs> I get it. I then get it. we reach out to, <laughs> to the top five or ten, whatever it might be, and we start cultivating 
the relationships with them, which is the second step, right? We start figuring out who at that publication is the person that's going to cover what I have to offer. How do I get to know them? How do I break the ice with them? We do a lot of research. We look them up online. We look them up, you know, on social media because people share a lot about themselves on social media. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe they are um, a, a former Girl Scout and you're a former Girl Scout. I don't know, whatever. It could be anything. Then we look at their, um, on, their pub, on the publication's website, we look up their bio there. We look up awards that they've won. We're looking for any way that we can to break the ice with this person and start building a real relationship because these are real people. And we wanna make sure that we're, we're putting our best foot forward in a way that's gonna eventually get them to call us, right? We're creating a dynamic where they feel like they're not being taken advantage of, we're not calling them just because we want them to print something about us or write something or have us on for an interview. We really want to be helpful to them. And that sometimes includes not having a story of our own, but pitching something else. Like, you know, if I know, this is a light bulb moment for me. If I know media people. Smoke coming out of her ears. Who, th- who would appreciate knowing about your book, then if I'm having conversations, getting to know them, and they're saying, yeah, you know, we really want to cover more women in marketing you got to talk to Lisa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's genuine. Yeah. We're, we're trying to be helpful. Yeah. So. And what's interesting about that is also, well, shameless plug in the book, too, it talks about going fish. And a lot of the times what happens is that the best way to get in front of people that you want to get in front of is knowing who they know. So LinkedIn is a really good way of finding out who you have common and connections. And if you have a good enough relationship with that person, Ask for an introduction. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get in front of, you know, Susie Media person over at ABC Station. Mm-hmm. And I just if I could get a warm introduction, I, I have something I want to picture. Right. And that is a really good way of doing it, too. So utilizing your network of who knows who um, is the best way, is, is a really good way to kind of break through those gatekeepers and get to that person, yeah. too. So, and, and, absolutely. And some of the scary things that people don't like to do, but I'm telling you are the most effective, is, first of all, using the phone and actually calling instead of emailing. <laughs> and secondly, is asking, you know, what do you cover? What are you looking for? What are you working on right now? Um, and, and inviting them to coffee or something, you know, similar. Just so you, again are really building a relationship, especially the the media that you're going to be going to on a regular basis. Yeah, if you give first and ask later, you're more likely to get what you ask for. Mm -hmm. If they're looking, if like, how can I help? They're like, I I want to be introduced to these companies, say, oh, I know people there, and introduce to them. If you give first and ask later, you're you're probably going to get what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so yeah, step two is building relationships. Um, and then you have step three. It says, I love how you put this too. Get your house in order of what your audience needs to hear. And I cannot, I don't, you're going to hear this to me from me a million times. But again, it's not about you. It's mm-hmm. about your audience and what they need to hear. So I love this step three. So remember, first one was create the media wish list, not hit list. <laughs> Second was build the relationships. And this is the third one. Get your house in order. Why don't you, let's talk about that. Yeah, so getting your house in order. So now that you know the publications that you're actively 
doing reach outreach with, you know who you're trying to target. Now it's time to really clarify your message, right? So we, and I know that you, you've talked about this, I'm sure, you have your core message platforms, but you have to tailor them, right? So if you are, I like, I always like to use this example. You wrote a book and it's about Spain and you talk a lot about um, the country, you talk a lot about cuisine, um, but it's a romance novel, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so you have your core message, which is the, you know, the messaging about the book. However, that's great for the, the, um, the literary editor at a publication, but you also could go to the food editor and talk about food because you have done a lot of research in order to write a book and have food as a central theme in your book. You could also then go to the travel editor and talk about Spain and in relation to your book. So now you've got three different ways to approach publications about one single book, which means you got to make sure that your messaging is clear for each one. Yeah, you want to talk about food with the person who has the travel, and you want to travel about travel with the person who's just the general, yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to just think that the only people you can approach are the literary people, because that's not true. Yeah. You have to, when you're thinking about public relations, really it's thinking outside of the box. It's thinking about how am I going to reach the people who want to and need to know about product and service? How am I going to reach the people who love food, who will probably love my book because it's a central theme in my book, even though it's a romance novel. Yeah, and what I love about what you're saying the most is that most of us think when we try to do our marketing, we're trying to get to the person who's the end user and only the end user, but there's so many ways to get to that end user that is not direct marketing to the person who actually buys the product or service. Mm -hmm. There's so many other ways to get to them. And I think that's what we're missing in marketing today when we teach business owners about about marketing is that it's not two things. One, it's not about you. It's about your customers. But also to get to your customers, there are multiple roads. Mm -hmm. You know, all the all roads lead to Rome. Like there's multiple ways to get to that end, that that buyer and end user. So that's well, very cool. Unless you're on Scandal, because then all roads lead to Fritz. <laughs> Which I don't know that show, but I'm going to trust you on that. I'm absolutely going to trust you on that. For Scandal people out there, that's you're probably enjoying that much more than I am, because I'm pretty clueless. Okay, if she talked Ted Lasso, I could talk Ted Lasso all day. But Scandal, no. I've never seen that. Oh. Oh, my God. Okay, we can talk about that offline. Okay. Anyway, before we get to the last two steps, let's take a deep breath, everybody, again. And let's hear a word from our sponsor. If you want to get into podcasting today but don't know where to start, start with Anchor. Anchor is a free app on iOS and Android. It has recording software and editing software pre-installed so you can record from wherever you are. And it distributes your episode to other platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts completely for free. So if you want to get into podcasting but don't know where to start, start with Anchor. Anchor, a better way to podcast. Check out the link in the description to get started today. Now back to today's episode. Welcome back. Andrea has already shared some of the great nuggets of wisdom, um, and we're not done yet, so let's bring it home. 
first, let's go over the first three steps again, because it's been a couple minutes. If you have a memory like me, you probably forgot. So again, the first step is create the maybe a wish list. Mm -hmm. Second is start building the relationships. Mm -hmm. Third is get your house in order and what your audience needs to hear. And this one I love because it's just, it's so much fun to do this. So the step four, she says, is called create a hook. Go. What's that all about? That is making sure that we are relatable and timely, right? We, relevance is the name of the game when it comes to outreach, even evergreen outreach. Because again, if we aren't, if we don't understand the publication and their audience and how they write, what they write, how they think, we have no, we're cold, which can work, but it shouldn't, uh, but that shouldn't be the goal, then we, again, are not going to land our pitch, right? Because yeah. we need to have the right hook. We need, to, we need to know that this publication, again, if we go back to our, our book about Spain and it has Spanish cuisine and the countryside, this publication has much more interest in the historical aspects of the countryside, of the country, whereas this publication really wants to know more about the ram romance and the, the characters and all of that. So we need to make sure that we have newsworthy hooks for both. And that just requires us to think about what in the book is going to be compelling if it was taken out of context. Okay, so the hook, if you want to, like, let's make sure our audience understand. Like you, again, sometimes we use Sorry. too much marketing vernacular. But like for a hook, if you're going to describe what that is, what is the hook? That's the thing that makes people pay attention. Okay. Right? So that's the yep. thing that's, oh, I want to know more about that. And there's always a hook or two or three if you really think about it, okay. no matter what, what it is. So if it was um, the if it was a celebration of a milestone anniversary within your business, well, one of the hooks, if it's a milestone, would be about the milestone, whether it be five years and you made it as a small business owner to your yeah. five years, 10 years, 50 years, whatever that might be. That's like the obvious hook. But then there's probably another one, which is maybe contribution to the community in the yeah. 10 years that you've been around or the, um, the people that you serve. Maybe there's a hook around that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really thinking about what is going to be of interest related to the information that we are trying to publicize. That's really cool. Because I, I did, um, I did um, some press for a client who is a 90-year-old company. They're on their fourth generation of business owner. And our good friend, Brad Herda, gave me the statistic that only 4% of the companies make it to the fourth generation. Wow. Of, in history, that's great. Four percent, right? So, like, that's that's another hook piece, right? Mm -hmm. That whole just wow, they're they're one of the four percent in the history of mm -hmm. companies making it to to the fourth generation. So, I absolutely see where you're coming there because each one of those pieces, each one of the three hooks, is going to relate to is going to resonate. I should say, overused word, but can yeah. think of a better one with a different audience. Exactly. So you have to use multiple hooks because one of them is going to catch. Should we go fishing exactly. now? Should we go fishing now? It's going to catch like the bigger fish and you got to use... Okay, I don't know anything about fishing. I'm not really sure where I'm trying to use that analogy. But, but it's, it's going to catch different types, it's right? It's going to catch and, different and types, And that's going to yeah. allow you to expand your outreach because you've got 
you don't have just the one hook. We're celebrating our 10th year, right? That's one hook, and that's probably only going to be for business editors. But now if you talk about the people that you serve, now, that, now you've got the community, um, like the metro section. You've got, um, you know, maybe if you go to HR, you know, HR would be your employee. If you go to um, publications, maybe it, there's associations and publications that serve the same audience that you serve. Now you've got something to go to them with about your 10-year anniversary. Yeah. But that's going to resonate with them because they serve the same audience as you do, right? Yeah. So it just expands your options when you think about it, when you think outside of the box more. And and to be fair, sometimes, though, you will have to connect the dots for them. So you might, <laughs> right? Like, why? Especially if you don't structure your pitch well. Right. And, and so that example about 4% of businesses make it to the fourth generation, that's something that you might have to make sure you really expound upon, mm-hmm. expand upon, because they might not know that stat. Mm-hmm. And that then it's like, oh, wow, you're in one of, you know, one of four? Yeah. No, four percent? You're four of ten? <laughs> what? Why am I doing math? You know what I'm saying. Okay, by the way, you heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. I do marketing. I don't do math. Yeah. yeah. So you're on your own with that I don't one. know. You're you're part of the four percent crew. That's it. <laughs> there you Let's go. just leave it at that. <laughs> so what's interesting about the that hook aspect is, think of it this way. It's the one thing that's gonna it, that's gonna grab their attention, mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny because I when I do my training on on the power of your pitch, I talk about how if you use too much ind- industry jargon, if you're selling to that industry, it's one thing, mm-hmm. but you literally could use words that it's people have no idea what your industry is, but they could actually go, wait a second, I know what that word means. Yeah. I want to do that. Like it could be something as simple as you know, like uh, reducing reducing turnover in mm-hmm. your employees. Mm-hmm. That is an industry agnostic statement. They may not need your product, but at least you've got them mm-hmm. listening. Because I can't tell you one business owner out there that isn't struggling to either find and or keep their employees. Um, and I think that's, I think it's really important for you to understand what, again, it's not about you, but what the audience mm-hmm. needs to hear as far as that hook is concerned. Exactly. Yeah. All right, last step. Show them what makes you special. And I love the fact that you said show them and not tell them. Go. What is, tell, yeah. tell, me, tell me more about that. So this is where you're putting all of your assets, all of your materials that you're going to use as part of your pitch or the story or whatever. So this is where you're <clears throat> creating your, your media kit, which would be your bio and your um, head shots if that's appropriate your company fact sheet anything that's going to help to add some weight to the pitch that's what you need to start creating to woo them with because it's one thing to say in your email or on the phone you know we've made this milestone we're we're in our fourth generation of um of business owners as a closely held business we're not public blah 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 but show me what you've done, right? Like, show me your bio, show me your company fact sheet, your timeline, give me some highlights of what's happened in that 90 year period. Things that are gonna help to get their wheels spinning mm-hmm. so that they know how to um, target the whatever it is that ends up being published in the right way. 
in a way that's going to highlight you, but that's also going to meet the needs of their audience. And so you really do have to show them these things, right? It's yeah. one thing to say it, but you got to show me. Yeah. Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> that's exactly what was in my yeah. head. Like, what are your differentiators? You know, like if you take something that's a saturated market, like consultants, what are your differentiators? What got you to this, you know, fourth generation or what got you to your 10 year milestone or what got you to a million dollars in business in three years, whatever it might be. Like, how are you different? What did you do to do that? You don't give it all away in the pitch because you want them to call you. You don't want them to write the article on their own, but you need to have these things available if they come back to you and say, I'm interested or they have questions or whatever. Yeah, actually this this morning, I was talking to a business consultant client of mine and what he was talking about is that he's a numbers guy and he doesn't, he doesn't want to rest on the numbers. And I said, well, but there's a million business coaches out there that probably can't use the numbers. So you can say, I can do a business consulting and I can prove it with the numbers. Mm -hmm. Because that is a differentiator in just that business coach kind of, a, mm -hmm. of an aspect. Because one of the things that I like to tell people is that, like, yes, I'm a marketing strategist for small businesses, but I spent 12 years in sales. I know what it's like to knock on doors. I mean, mm -hmm. not to date myself too much, but basically I was given a box of business cards, a telephone, and he said, this is your territory, good luck. Yeah. And I literally, in my suit and nylons and high heels, walked through industrial parks, knocked on doors, and tried to sell them corporate insurance. So mm -hmm. it's, it's I can see both sides of that. And sometimes you need that differentiator. There's a you know, there's yeah. a whole bunch of marketing consultants on there, but right. do they understand what it's like to actually get told no a million times before exactly. we get that yes? Yeah, it's. So what is that? So so as an audience, think about that. Think about like, what is. What is the one thing that makes you the same as everybody else? And then what can you add to that that differentiates you from everybody else? Who knows what that might be? Mm -hmm. It could be just about anything. So, okay, we've told a lot of stories um, and given you examples about all of this. And um, for anybody who has really, really good hearing, uh, my cat Lucy's very angry that I'm not letting her in the studio today. So... We apologize for the, the background noise. But, you know, she's a fan. She just wants her two cents. Um, but what is your favorite story about this topic? Like what, I know you have a, a, a bit of a niche in some of the people that, the industries that you work with. Like what's your favorite story about creating so much, like so much public relations and so much like hype before something even happens? It was like a success before it even started. I have so many stories. I've. Can I share two? Yes, of course. Okay. So I used to do PR for musicians only. Like that was my, those are the people I did uh, PR for, for five years. And there was a band who moved to town and hired me to do PR for um, their first album while they were here. It was actually their first album. Um, and there were two women and one, one man, which was kind of, the two women were the front and then there was the guy. And it was kind of unusual at the time. So I did a whole bunch of press around it and, um, they got a lot of coverage and then people started coming to me and saying, have you heard about this band? They're awesome. You should go check them out. They hadn't even played a show yet and they were my client already. And I thought, okay, it's working. There's a lot of buzz around this band, yeah. which I just, it cracked me up. Um, and then this is the one that I actually, you know, could probably hang my hat on. 
another band. Just so you know, she actually took her hat off and motioned the fact that she's going to hang her hat up. Just I did air quotes the other day. I kept doing air quotes. I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but I, yep. anyway. Okay, hang your hat. What's the story? There was a band that asked me to help do PR for them because they were invited to be the only um, unsigned band to play at a presidential inauguration. <gasps> wow. Maybe they could pay for Prince King Charles. Sorry, I'm not sure if you saw that story yeah, yet. Yeah. Anyway, okay, moving on. Um, no politics. So no politics. I so thought, that's very cool. Yeah, and and I mean, could you imagine? Like, it, I mean, I don't have to imagine. I did it. But could you imagine? <laughs> It was surreal. It was it was very exciting. It was um, a little bit nerve wracking, of course, but I I just felt like, you know, an acknowledgement of the work that I had been doing to be asked to do something so significant. That I, yeah, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I I love the story. And by the way, audience, this is not the first time I'd heard the story about the the buzz about the band. I love that story. I was hoping that's the one she would tell. Um, But it it goes to show that it works. Yeah. It it does work. And so one of the things that happen when you get all this public relations, all this press, is that it helps in so many other areas, especially today in the digital age. It's not just about brand awareness. And it's not just about letting people know you have a product or a service to sell. It's going to help you with your SEO as well. And that's search engine optimization. That's basically when you Google something, how far up, well, under the paid ads, how far up you get in the Google search. Are you on the first page or in the second page? So it helps you get found because the more websites that you're on and the more places you can be found digitally helps increase that Google search ranking. And so it's not just about that. There's a, there's a lot of sideline benefits to public relations that were, we didn't even go over today, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's more than just letting people know they exist and letting people um, know that you have a product or a service to sell. Okay, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff today. <laughs> that was, oh my God, that was so much fun. So, all right, what what is one thing? If, if you're going to have the audience walk away with just one piece of information from today, what what is the one thing you would want them to do? What's one actionable item you want them to do right away? I, I would say start thinking about the story that you want to tell through the media. Everybody has one. Everybody has one. Start thinking about what yours is. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then write it down. Because if you're like me and you don't write it down, like, oh, I have this great idea. <laughs> don't remember what it is. Yeah, and then follow those five steps. And yeah. yeah. And if anybody can invent a whiteboard that works in a shower, I would really appreciate that. Because I'm <laughs> telling you that's where I need my whiteboard. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrea, thank you so yeah. much for being on the podcast. I really I would love this episode. I can't wait to actually listen to it again. Me too. So um, well, there you have it. This is what happens in, in chapter one of the Rebel Girls Guide to Marketing book. And it talks about all of the basics of marketing and what you need to know. Because honestly, it's so difficult to go out and try to do marketing when you don't understand what it is in the first place. That's what chapter one is all about. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to last week's podcast, take a listen and keep listening for the rest of the podcast in March as we talk about um, chapter one of the book. 
Andrea, thank you so much for being on as my first victim, I mean, guest on oh. the episode. <laughs> we talked about hit lists. <laughs> I know, right? Is, is this that, a true crime podcast? <laughs> is that a murder mystery? But for being my guest, I am giving you um, a copy of my book. And I, even though you already a marketing genius, um, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being my guest. And I look forward to uh, our future conversations. Thank you so much for this book. I, um, I look forward to pimping it out. I mean, sharing it with everybody that I know. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. And congratulations. Oh, Such an you. accomplishment. Thank you so much. It's been a whirlwind, but it's been, it's been super fun. Yeah. Remember... There are benefits to a rebel mindset. Have a great week, everyone. Cheers. Hold up. Hold up. (laughs) I totally forgot to do this while Andrea was here, so I need to make a plug for her because she is so freaking awesome. Before we get to my badass outro music, let's talk about Andrea a little bit more. So Andrea Hubbard, last name is spelled H-U-B-B-E-R-T. Check her out on LinkedIn. You can also find her website at hubandcompany.com. That's H-U-B-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com. Hub and Company, you can find links for her and me in the description, so be sure to check out the description as well. So now, onto that badass outro music. Ready? Cue it up. Go.